Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from EO Fire, and you're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys with your show host, Paul Teague. It's the must-listen weekly podcast for all indie authors who are prepared to ignite. Welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary. This is going to be broadcast on Monday the 13th of June alongside podcast episode number 15. It's been a really busy writing week this week, a great writing week in actual fact. The big news of the week is that on Saturday I went to Crime Story 2016 in Newcastle. This was based at Northumbria University and effectively it was just a day of immersing ourselves into crime and crime scenes and crime writing. It was a brilliant event. It was held by New Writing North, who are very active in the north of England, as you'd expect from the name. And I've only really engaged with them on the sidelines so far. I follow them on social media. I follow the website. But if you are in the north of England, I highly recommend that you get connected and follow what they're doing. Because as I find out when I was digging around, they held another publishing, self-publishing event last year. I think they hold the crime story one year and the publishing event the next year. So I really can't wait to go to that next year. But it was an excellent event. It was based at a university, as many of these writing events are. They make really good venues. And uh, effectively, I just sat through many whole group sessions and some breakout sessions. But throughout the day, we had some superb teams from, I think they were from Northumbria Police, talking us through what happens in a police investigation so in session one, we got a senior investigating officer, um, we got a forensic data examiner and a criminologist. In session two, we went through the forensic process. So there we had a crime scene manager, a forensic scientist and a home office pathologist. Now, the information that these people gave was just absolutely riveting. I was just constantly taking notes and they were making points about the differences between what's involved in real life and often what's on television, which is nothing near real life. After lunch, we had some breakout sessions. I had booked into a session about the prison experience. That was absolutely brilliant. We had a, a prison governor there and we had somebody who did the, the medics, the medical support in prisons. And we had a prison chaplain there and a lady who, who studies uh, prisons as well from the uni university. And it was just a, what an insight into prison life for somebody who's had no experience of it at all. But to help your writing, it was just superb. And then after that, I went to another breakout session, which was on digital forensics, uh, it, looking how you leave digital footprints. And again, I just learned so much from that. The final session was with Paula Hawkins, the author of The Girl on the Train, who did an hour long Q&A session. It was fascinating to hear how she'd actually been in the audience at the crime story in 2014. I think she'd only, I think she'd finished The Girl on the Train then, but it hadn't been published. So that was fascinating to hear that she'd actually been in the audience two years previously before anybody knew really who she was in terms of that massive global success that she'd had. So all in all, it was just a, a brilliant day. If you have a look at my Twitter account, you'll see some photographs taken from the day and just a few comments, but it was just Excellent. Now, I can't remember what I paid for it because I paid for the ticket some time ago. But living in the north of England, it's just superb to be able to attend events like that that aren't in London uh, because that, it's a big deal for me when I travel to London. It costs me a lot to travel by train. There's always a expensive hotel overnight. It's very costly on top of the ticket fee. So it's just brilliant to be able to drive 
an hour, an hour and a quarter away from where I live to Newcastle to attend an event like that and be able to turn it around in a day without having to book hotels in. So very, very impressed with that. If you are listening to this, if you live in the north of England, do check out that event and future events from New Writing North. I will go again at the drop of a hat. It was absolutely brilliant. I've been investing more in my author business this week, and I hope that listening to these diaries, you get a sense for how much I invest that isn't just about me writing books, always investing in learning, as I was at the weekend at the crime event, but also learning how to do the marketing as well, which is the bit probably I've had a lot of experience with in internet marketing, but I do struggle with as an author. So on Wednesday, I attended a PPC, a pay-per-click training session, Again, that was local. Fabulous that I could do that with a, a chap who runs an agency in the north of England. And he's doing the sort of things that I can't do as a, as a one-man business. There's only a certain amount of scale that I can achieve with any advertising that I do. But he, of course, is running multiple accounts for bigger businesses with bigger budgets than me. So he can talk about scale. He's doing this at scale, which I can never do. So I learned lots and lots from this chap's presentation on Wednesday, I think it was that I attended that. Again, it was it was local, which was fabulous. And he's doing another one on conversion. So you could use pay-per-click to send people to your sales pages, but when they land on those sales pages, you then need to convert them to make a sale. So I'm going to be learning about that in a couple of weeks' time. I also made a second big investment this week. I have uh, purchased Mark Dawson's Facebook adverts course. This is the second course I've paid for on Facebook. I took one by Mary Smith, a while ago, I think that was eight weeks over, it was webinars, uh, so it was eight weeks times two hours, something like that, uh, Mary Smith's, and that was very useful at the time, but Facebook moves on so much, has changed so much since I did that, and it's quite clear to me that I need to learn more about Facebook ads. I know the basics of Facebook ads, but Mark, again, is just doing this at such a big scale. He can give you the benefit of that experience and just say, this works, that doesn't. And I've worked through a couple of the videos already. And on Friday night, uh, I had one of those penny drop moments. And this is why I think all training is worthwhile. When you spend quite a lot of money on training, you're not just going to constantly be getting nuggets, nuggets, nuggets that you could use. What tends to happen with training is that you tend to leave with three or four really big things that make you think and that can make an impact on your business. And already on Friday, I just had a Homer Simpson dull moment and I've been using Facebook for a long long time less so with the adverts but I just had one of those moments where I thought how did I miss that and I've implemented that in my business straight away so in very brief terms I've always been aware that you can retarget on Facebook which is when somebody comes to your website uh, that's not on Facebook and then you can start to send them adverts on Facebook and I've always used ad role to do that or perfect audience. So I've known you could do this for a long time and I've, I've been playing around with it for a long time. But one of the things I, I hadn't, I just it's just one of those things that I just hadn't put two and two together is that you can actually build custom audiences directly within Facebook. So you put the pixel, their pixel on all of your websites and just like they do with Google, I do this and have been doing this in Google for a couple of years. They just grow the ads audience, which means that anybody who comes to my author websites, I can immediately retarget them on Facebook. Now I'd been doing this through a third party. I hadn't been doing it through Facebook direct. I don't know why I just missed that bridge, but I hadn't realized, I hadn't understood that you could do it directly on Facebook just through custom audiences. 
So it really filled in a gap for me. So just actually learning that one thing for me has already been a really valuable nugget. I haven't even really started the training. I've just got a few videos in. So really what I'm saying there, the bottom line is, is never be afraid to invest money in learning more about your author business. And being an author these days is not just about doing the writing, learning the craft, going to events like I did in Newcastle. It's also learning about the marketing, learning the best techniques and using them in your business. I was back to Don't Tell Meg, my current thriller this week. And if you've been listening to these diaries, you'll know that I'd had a moment of panic over the half term while the kids were off or the family were off and worried about the plot. But <laughs> I don't, again, I, I needn't have done this. It was great actually to hear Paula Hawkins say how much she had these experiences too, even when she was writing The Girl on the Train and her current book, which is under a lot of pressure to write, the follow-up book to The Girl on the Train that she just had those moments where she thinks it's all rubbish, it's not working, there are plot holes and she needs some help with it. And that's that's what I had with Don't Tell Meg over the half term. I'm delighted to announce that I just really went daft this week. I've written about 12,500 words over two days. Just It's ridiculous. I, I try and get to 5,000 words and that's just about right for me. I try and get 5,000 words done a day, but I was so carried away in the story and the plot. Um, I'm just finding it so good to write. I did about 12,500 words. So I'm at 47,500 words with Don't Tell Meg at the moment. These are first draft words. I, My wife gets the words as soon as I've done them. She does that first sweep to say that doesn't make any work uh, sense, that doesn't make any sense, or this is wrong, you've spelt that wrong. Just raising those reader questions. So she always does a first sweep for me. And then I'll come back to it, having corrected the things that she said, and I'll do another sweep on it, a structural edit, when I know, when I've got the whole story done and in my head, and then I'll pass it on to a copy editor and proofreader. So I, I actually just checked in with my, my proofreader copy editor this week because uh, she's, she's excellent. I really value her input with the books, but I just flagged up that there are sex scenes in it and there's going to be violent scenes. It's not what she's used to editing for me, which is usually young adult. So uh, she's fine with that. She said she's just done a book about a serial killer. I thought she would be, but I thought as a courtesy, I'd better just flag it up because it's very different from what I usually write. I got my feedback on the sex scene from my wife, and I've actually written another one now, which came up naturally in a bit of backstory. Uh, so, um, uh, and got the thumbs up. It's fine. You know, it's not over the top, not using ridiculous language, good sex scene. So, uh, so that's good. It's passed my wife's test. Obviously, I'll start to get some other readers on it soon, and we'll see how we're going with that. I've now resolved my plotting issues. I know where I'm going with it. I just had a moment of of panic, of thinking, how am I going to get around this? The, the, the reason that I had a problem with it is that I've written it in first-person past tense. So it's from the through the eyes of the protagonist. I don't know why I like writing in that style, but but I do. I, I, I like that first person. I must get to a third person at some point. I must try a proper third person. But when I, when I got stuck, I needed to convey some information that really need to, needed to be in third person. I needed to have to convey some plot information. And that's where I was stuck. And I, I figured out a way around that. I won't tell you because it's it's crucial part of the plot. But I, I figured out how to convey the information without having a third-person narrative. I could keep it in first person all the way. So I'm pleased about that. And, and as you can tell, 12,500 words in a week is, is a ridiculous number of words to be writing, uh, even by my 5,000 words a day standard. So um, I'm very pleased with that. Uh, we're, we're, we're over the halfway mark with the book, and it will be ready by the end of July. And because I've now resolved these plot problems, I've written it all, scribbled it all on paper, which isn't it funny? I, I, I'm a real computer geeky guy, but I like to do my book planning on paper. I can't 
do it if I don't write it on pieces of A4. I've got that in the pot now. I know where I'm going with it. I know how it's going to end. Still not quite sure who's going to have done it. There's, I've got a couple of little twisted minds, so I'll just see which way the story blows. Uh, and this is interestingly one of the things that uh, Paula Hawkins was saying, effectively, that when you write a story, frankly, it could be anyone who did it. Uh, you just need to put the right information in, and that's really what I've done. I've just set up a whole scene of characters or a set of characters, and frankly, anybody could have done it still, and I will keep nudging it on so that anybody could have done it right towards the end. And then at some point, and I think I know where I'm going with it, I'll just land the baddie. <laughs> I'll just land who it is, and they'll be they'll be the one who did it. They'll be the one who gets caught at the end or whatever happens at the end. So really pleased with the Don't Tell Meg prog progress. I've got another uh, two writing days this week. So that'll be at least another 10,000. We'll be into what, we might even break 60,000 by the time I'm talking to you on this diary next week. So let's see how it goes. Let's see if the words keep flowing. Hopefully they will. I wanted to share a strategy that I'm using this week that is working in a slow way. It's not setting the world on fire. Nothing really does at the moment, but it's working in a slow way. And this is a review strategy that I gleaned from Garrett Robinson from the self-publishing podcast. I, I caught this on one of their smarter artists, shorter podcasts that they do, where they just, they're usually about five or 10 minutes and they just give away tips about writing. And in this case, Garrett was talking about how to get reviews on your books. And I can see for the purchases, I give away books, the first books in my trilogies for free. And I can see constantly in my sales panel that people are buying books two and three. So they must be enjoying them if they're buying books two and three. They're reading through the trilogies. I've got that progression, which is great. But do they leave reviews? And I've done all the tricks. I've got the please leave a review at the end. I've done all the marketing tricks, but I don't get the reviews. And, and it's a sticking point for me. I need those reviews. This is the magic for me. I'm looking at people with lots of reviews thinking, how, how are you doing that? How are you getting those? Because I'm really trying the tricks and it's not happening. I heard Garrett Robinson talk about what are the techniques that he uses. And I've deployed this and this is working for me in a slow way now. What I heard Garrett say was in, in the self-publishing techniques that we use, you give away the first book for free. That means that people who've never heard of you before as a writer, that means they can start to access you. Hopefully, if the book's good, they then want to read books two and three because I write in trilogies with cliffhanger endings. Garrett's trick was to, at the end of book one, say that if you want to continue reading, you can get book two for free, but you've got to leave a review, email me at this address when you've left your review, and I will send you book two for free. And I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense. It means you're giving two books away for free, but, but actually... To me, this is just a tap that I'm going to turn on until I've got a reasonable number of reviews, maybe 40 or 50, I think is a good number of reviews. Then I'll turn that tap off and start to charge for book two again. And once again, this is a great thing about self-publishing. When you self-publish, you can change the back matter in your eBooks uh, whenever you need to. You can just update them whenever you need to, and it's done within 24 hours. So I, that's what I'll do with it. I'll just update the, the, the back matter. This is working for me. I'm getting emails on a regular basis now, and I don't mean in a kind of they're flooding in basis. They're coming in steadily now to prove that it's working. Another tip that I got from Mark Dawson from his webinars for his his book, his Facebook business, he's using something called bookfunnel.com to deliver the books. I was sending out the files to people and then had some links to show how you add those files to your Kindle or whatever book you read. Whereas with bookfunnel.com, this is a great tip. If you are giving books away for free, bookfunnel.com for a smaller author, I think you can get 500 downloads off the top of my head. It's something like that for $20 over the year, 
which is going to do most smaller authors. I've, I've gone for the $20 and then I'll, I might need to up it by the end of the year, but we'll see. But in bookfuddle.com, you upload your files, you upload a cover, and they make it all professional. So all you do is you just you just send people when they get a free copy of your book. You just send them the BookFunnel link, and then BookFunnel will take care of the, this is how you add it to your device, whatever your device is. This is how you download it to your computer. And if there's any support, this is the, the great thing, because I ain't dealing with customer support. They will deal with the support, which is brilliant, fantastic, to be honest with you. So I've also started using BookFunnel this week as part of that strategy. You read book one. At the end of book one, it says, if you leave a review, I'll give you book two for free. And I send those books via BookFunnel. Now, I'm getting four and five star reviews from the people who are contacting me. You wouldn't contact me if you'd left a one star review and say, can I have book uh, but whatever it is, book two for free, you'd be a bit cheeky. And actually, I'd say, look, you didn't enjoy book one. You left a one-star review, which is quite damaging for me. I, I don't think that's it. it's anybody's interest to, to give you the next book in the series because that's very damaging to my career. So by definition, and you'd be pretty cheeky to do that, by definition, you're getting people who are leaving four and five-star reviews, people who like the book, who want to read book two. So it's also helping you with your better quality reviews. So I'm very happy with it. I, I haven't, there's been no kickback from it yet. There's been nothing that I see that is a disadvantage. I would recommend it. BookFunnel are starting giveaways soon as well. So they're managing the download process with, with book giveaways. I've asked to be added to the beta tester list on that. I'll let you know how that goes. As I do Mark Dawson's course, I'm intending to really up the kind of advertising and promotion that I do. And all of these things will fit into that. Book giveaways will fit into that. So I will be sharing all of my information about those processes in these podcast diaries. Two more things to tell you about before we finish. As I said, if you've been following these diaries, you'll know that I was a little bit nervous. I have nothing to talk to you about in these diaries. But as it turns out, there's loads going on that I could share with you. Really pleased to announce that I'm talking about self-publishing at the Carlisle Borderlines Book Festival this year. This is a book festival that runs between the 6th and 9th of October. I was booked in to attend last year, but it clashed with another date and I had to cancel before it went to press, before they published the brochures and things. Uh, and I was really disappointed about it because I was really torn about which of the two events on that day I was going to attend. This year, it's absolutely fine. I cleared the diary for it, made sure it wasn't going to clash with anything. And I'm giving a talk, a three-hour talk and presentation on the 8th of October in Carlisle. Really, really looking forward to that. And the more of that I can do, the better. I really want to build the speaking presentation side of my author business. I really enjoy doing that stuff. And then finally, for this week, we've got a bit of a celebrity interview. I always sound a word of caution with this because I've been in broadcasting for years and celebrities are always tricky to get to. And if they have to change their schedule, if something more important comes up at the last minute, then me as a small fry, I'll just drop right back to the bottom of the pile. So this has lots of provisos and health warnings with it. But I've got a, an interview booked with Richard Maidley later in this month i'm going to see he's doing a reading in carlisle uh, he used to work here interestingly at the same radio station that i used to work at it was called uh, bbc radio carlisle in those days bbc radio Cymru when i worked there our careers didn't uh, overlap he was there well before i was ever there but he's he's got uh, an affectionate place in his heart for for carlisle and cumbria so he's coming back to do a launch a couple of launch uh, presentations actually one in keswick one in carlisle of his forthcoming novel which is called the night book it's his third novel. 
which is published by Simon and Schuster. And I managed to track him down through Simon and Schuster and said, I do the podcast. Can I speak to Richard while he's in Carlisle? And we've booked a date. I've got a date at a time. I'm going to join Richard and hopefully Judy for a coffee in Carlisle and I'll get an interview. It won't be a long one. It won't be a full length interview, but it will be, we'll get five or 10 minutes, I would think, before I'm, I'm ushered along and they have to move on to the next appointment. So fingers crossed on this podcast, in a, in a month or so's time, interview with Richard Maidley about his new book, but also about his writing process and how he writes and the author process. So I'm really looking forward to that. Nice to have a celebrity interview on the podcast, but I'll keep you in touch about that. But it looks like it's in the pot. It was very easy to get. Um, I think I got through to Richard's son, actually, at the at the agency, and then he put me on to Simon & Schuster. Very nice lady from Simon & Schuster. Fixed it straight away. Gave me a time, and it's all good to go. So, fingers crossed, I'll be talking to Richard Maidley, and you'll hear it on this podcast in a couple of weeks' time. As you can see, loads and loads of writing news again this week. I'll catch up with you again same place, same time next week with another podcast diary update. If you've got any questions that you want to ask me uh, about any of the things I've raised, then please don't hesitate to email me. My email address is paul at paulteague.com. Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.